You are listening to Pod Save the Rest of Us. Thank you for tuning in. I wanted to take time today to personally thank our sponsors, the JEI Learning Center and Solid Lotion Bar. Please, listeners, do us a solid and support our sponsors. Thank you. I take my my work as a coach seriously. I want to see players get better, and I want them to be happy, and I want to help them have lifelong success because of their participation in athletics. Remember when we all seemed to share the same American dream? When we all thought every U.S. citizen should have an equal opportunity to achieve success and prosperity through hard work, determination, and initiative? Did that dream just go away? We at Pod Save the Rest of Us do not think so. We believe we all want to be happy. We all want our kids to have a wonderful life. We believe all have common ground. This is Pod Save the Rest of Us. Let's find that common ground again. Easy going, easy come. Where'd you get your info from? I found mine on Reuters. Fact-checked by three sources that were fact-checked for biases and are equal opportunity employers. Welcome back, Pod Save the Rest of Us listeners. This is Karen Castro, and for our 10th and final episode of Season 1, we decided to take a slightly different approach. Although I usually do the -the behind-the-scenes work, Today, I will be taking on the role of host and will be interviewing Elizabeth Stanley about her life and experiences in coaching. In today's environment where the news often feels so negative, I find myself looking for inspiration in big and small ways and reminders of the good people in this world that make a difference in their local communities. And Coach Stanley is definitely one of those people. I've known Coach for over 20 years, starting in high school. She was my basketball coach and I've got to say she left an impression. She inspired me to push myself and achieve and was committed to helping me and my teammates along our path in life. I hope through this interview you get a feeling for why she stands head and shoulders above the rest, and hopefully it serves as a reminder of the difference we can all make in our local communities if we just care a little more and show an interest in the lives of others. So let's just start with some background. So like where you grew up, a little bit about your family, where you went to college. All right, well, I was born in Phoenix, Phoenix, Arizona, um, just a few years ago. (laughs) But soon I was less than five years old. I wasn't even in school. We moved to Northern California and that's where I started schooling. Um, We moved to a town and and sticking with uh, what uh, Tina had said in her her interview, she grew up in Salinas, which is the lettuce capital of the United States. I grew up in the Kiwi capital of the of the United States in Gridley, California. Uh, I chose so from from Gridley. I went through school, all all the schools in Gridley, and then I left and went on to college. And I I um, I went to college initially to play basketball because it's a good way to continue playing basketball, which I loved and adored. And then I graduated, and surprisingly, I graduated and basketball was over. 
And I started working with the disabled population because uh, my degree was in psychology with the emphasis in human development. And then in working with that, I literally worked day and night because I was working with the, in a group home settings, implementing programs, teaching these citizens to be more self-reliant. Um, and that's an, a day and night job, as it should be. But uh, what I learned is I miss my basketball life. And at that time, to coach, most of your coaches were also your teachers. So I decided I would get my teaching credential. I'd go back and get my PE degree and, um, and then get my teaching credential so that I could coach. And that's what I did. And I took a lot of classes in East Bay with Raul Lopez. And he was very connected in the girls' basketball scene in that, at that time. And he had a friend who had just taken over Bishop O'Dowd High School, perennial powerhouse in California. And um, Raul at, you know, knew that I was interested in coaching, and he connected me with his, his friend who took over that program, Sam, and Sam hired me as his JV coach. And that's, that's pretty much the background there. And I think I'm right in this. You met your husband, Rob, at St. Mary's, is that correct? Uh, indirectly. We both worked. So I, I also worked part-time at Moraga Roundtable. And he <laughs> had just graduated from Cal State Hayward, and he was working there as the manager uh, because finding jobs at that time was not so easy. A lot like what the the college graduates are finding now is very prevalent in the you know, mid, late 80s, um, so, and now, you know, he's, he's, you know, he's known as the, the database guy to go to, so. Yeah. Tell us a little bit, you and Rob have a daughter, tell us a little bit about her. Justice is her name, um, you know, we all should bring them in a little justice in the world. She's 24, she, um, She's the exact opposite of me, except that she looks a lot like me, and I apologize for that. And, you know, she's a marketing major, which is something I would never do. You know, we we embarked on this, and we both thought this is way out of our comfort zone, and this would be right in her, you know, she would be very good about talking and marketing herself, um, different levels of of, uh, confidence in regards to that. But she's pretty wonderful, and, yeah, she... She definitely has made, you know, in, in the beginning, Robert and I didn't know if we wanted to have children. And and our, uh, you know, our conscious self, we're like thinking, you know, one of the big problems in in the world right now is we have too many people. So, you know, you take all your social issues, in, in especially environmental ones, and you... Um, you know, you boil down it, less people, less pollution, less people, you know, less waste in the world. And so we're like, it's kind of selfish to want to bring another human into the world. But then, you know, we did. And I, our, our life is better be, because of it. Um, and it's interesting. So you and I met um, when I was in high school at Amador Valley. You had gone from O'Dowd to Amador. Mm-hmm. as my junior year of high school. And... I think you were pregnant my junior year. Is that right? Or is it maybe? Yeah, I got. Yeah, I got pregnant that first season. I coached you guys. I can't. I can't. I'll never forget. Like we had won some game, and we were all 
ran to middle court. It was a big game that we won, and we were all like jumping up and down and like you know hugging each other. And you were right in the middle. Of that. <laughs> and I remember afterward, my dad's like, "I'm really concerned about Elizabeth. <laughs> She's got to be careful out there." <laughs> um, but yeah, so you you were pregnant my junior year while you were coaching, um, and I remember talking to you a little bit when I was in college about you know both what what have you learned from your daughter, and then also how has being a mom changed you. Well, the the biggest thing that I learned um, is from my daughter immediately. And I remember vividly being on that plane having a panic attack when we were taking you to UCLA. Um, was that, you know, just ask for everything. You know, just ask. You're definitely not going to get it if you don't ask. But if you ask and you go after it, you have a better chance. And... You know, being in the youngest of five, I was used to getting nothing. <laughs> so um, it was it, it definitely opened my eyes to all possibilities. And she, and she made that ever uh, possible with even within myself. Um, but w- what changed me is to be softer. You know, being a coach and being in charge, that really changes you, you know, because you have to make a lot of tough decisions you have to be you know adamant all the time and you have to be driven and or you should be I should say or I envisioned that I had to be those things and um, I had to be real demonstrative but when you have your child a softer side of you has to come out or it just does I don't know if that's you know mother maternal instinct but you know, there has to be more compassion and empathy and care and concern. And you have to think outside yourself if you're going to do right by this this human who you should be committed to. You know, you made that decision to create this life. So now nurture it. And um, and if you ask, you ask, I'm sure you have done this. Any player that like when I coached you. I was so much harder on players than I coach now. And you can, you, you know, and Jay-Z and Tasha and Casey, you know, give me crap about it all the time. Like, no, they don't even know the real you. And a lot of that is because my daughter's like, you could chill out a little. You know, you can be more compassionate. And nurturing is really the best that you can give somebody. And the best, a nurturer is the best that you can be for somebody. Certainly a child. Before, you know, before we start this interview, I was reflecting on why you hold such a special place in my heart and why you've meant so much to me through the years. Um, and a couple things you said makes me think, it makes me understand why. And, you know, you mentioned the flight to UCLA. So I, we were going, you went with me just to check it out and to go talk to the coach there about playing. Mm-hmm. When, we were, when I was in high school, playing there in college that's above and beyond like there's not I don't think there's a lot of coaches that do something that like that with a player and that's one very small example of the things that you do and when you talk about being a nurturer I think that that comes across so strongly in your interactions with your players that to me what really stands out is that you didn't just see us as players that you cared about us as more than players um and I guess, I, I don't know exactly what my question is, but I guess I'd like you to talk a little bit about that. Like, it, um, I don't know if that started with justice or not, but it seemed like it was going on to me from the moment you started, for me, my junior at Amor Valley, even before you had justice, that, I mean, you were all in for developing players. Like, you weren't just, 
you know, the season starts in, uh, what is it? November. Yeah. November through March. It's, you started developing players over the summer. If they wanted to put in the time, like, you were available to them. And I, um, I wonder where that comes from. And I, I, I know you talked a little bit about that with Kathy. And I wonder if, if that was your role model and that's kind of where yeah. you got that part of who you are. Yeah, I, I don't think I knew any better. <laughs> so, uh, fortunately, getting into being a coach and actually becoming a teacher, I was afforded that time, you know. So, school ends at 3, you want to get in the gym. Well, I'm off to, also at 3, so that works out. Uh, during the summer, I'm off, and you want to get in the gym or, you know, get you know get on the track and, and, and run or get in the weight room, I'm available. Uh, and so... Yeah, I, I, in high school, Bob and Kathy, they would get up probably around 4 or 5 in the morning and come p- swoop up Francis Daniels and I. And we lived on opposite ends of, you know, a farm town, you know. And, you know, Bob and, and or Kathy would pick us up and take us to the gym. We'd train for an hour or two hours. Um, and then we'd repeat the same process at night sometimes. So they just always made themselves available. So I don't think I knew any better. But also, um, much to my parents' credit, people were always over our houses like, oh, another person, here's another plate. And and we were poor. So <laughs> you just find a way because it, it does, it really does it take a village. And being a part of a community, especially a small community, I, I think it just... Um, lends itself to serving others, and so I think that I I don't think I know any better, and I'm I'm fortunate for that. Yeah, I mean I just remember being struck by um, your willingness to work with all different types of players. I think there were some players where maybe a coach wouldn't see the potential, but you would take the time to see the potential. Like not not just like oh, I can develop their rebounding skills, but also, like, I can help develop them and I can I can help them get to college and get that education that maybe they otherwise wouldn't get because they couldn't afford it, and I can help them get a scholarship. And, I mean, you say you had summers off and school ended at three, but I think a lot of people would just be like, I'm going to go kick it. <laughs> you guys figure out what you're going to do. Um, I just, I thought it was really amazing, and I thought that I benefited from it, my teammates benefited from it, and I've seen you do it through the years. And I know you're still in touch with a lot of players. And, um, like, I, I was, do you have any feel for how many players you've coached through the years? Well, it really is in the thousands because I coached traveling ball too. And we would have, you know, upwards to 100 people in our program through the summer. So it's definitely in the thousands. Um, I'm still connected to at least hundreds of them and really close to dozens of them. And, and I feel, I feel, my whole family's life is enhanced because of that. You know, my my daughter, you know, we joke about all the time, you know, even though we only have one child, if you ask her, she goes, no, I have hundreds of brothers and sisters. (laughs) So I'm definitely not an only child. How does it make you feel when you see some of these players, like, you know, either like they set goals for themselves and you're helping them achieve it in basketball or you know, you help them get into, I remember you helping me and my teammates write letters to college coaches saying, you know, this is who I am. You helped us send videotapes so that we could get on their radar screen and hopefully get a scholarship. I mean, how does that make you feel when you see these players going to college, graduating from college, starting their careers, um, and to know you've had such a big part in that? Oh, yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely gratifying. I hope that 
coaches are getting into it for that reason. And then we all know that my ego is well intact. Nobody needs to worry about that. So I didn't need to win ball games or to have you play great for my ego. I my ego was was going to be fine. <laughs> and so um if you could go on and you can enjoy playing at the next level and you can get a college degree or two or three and um you can become the person you want to be if you can envision that and I can make that some little bit help with that i i think that's the best that i can do with whatever skills or talent or energies i might be able to conjure because if if i was winning ball games and that's what i was in it for then shame on me and i should not be a coach because a coach i think the very nature the true nature of being a coach is to serve others and help others and facilitate their growth, not just on the court, but moreover after. Uh, you know, we have to we have to evaluate why why is there an athletic program in an educational setting? You have to see the value in that. An educational setting is to serve the individuals, the students, to make them have a future, a better future. And if athletics are a part of that, then that is the goal of the athletic program, is to make their lives better. We are to facilitate. That means to help. And that's our job. It's within the very title of what we're supposed to be doing. Anything less than that is us not earning that big paycheck of you know $2,500 a year. <laughs> Yeah, you definitely don't do it for the money, no, that's for sure. No, no. I wanted to talk to you a little bit of, more about your career. Um, I think we kind of left it with your position at O'Dowd and, and teaching and coaching there. Um, but then from there, you went to Amber Valley. Mm-hmm. And how long were you teaching there? And then where did you go from there? So I, I taught at Amador for 20 years. I, I coached there for eight years. And meanwhile, while I was teaching at Amador, I was coaching at a at, at JC. And then um, and then from after I quit teaching at Amador, I went to a, a D3 in SoCal. My husband stayed in Livermore and, you know, his you know, again, we're talking computers, you're going to need to be in the Bay Area. I know that if I had asked and selfishly insisted or, you know, all I needed to do was ask him, and he would have, but uh, I don't think that would have been in his best interest. So making it work uh, to the best of our ability with, with me living mostly in SoCal and him here in the Bay Area, um, that kind of grew old also. And so I, I chose to come back home. And then I enjoyed not working at all, to be honest. And that was the first time because I had to work since I was way young and um, even before high school. And so it was kind of crazy not to be working. So when you came back, uh, you chose not to take on a full-time coaching job. I know you're still, you're still coaching mm-hmm. um, girls one-on-one several times a week but chose to um, not take on it. It sounded like you had a lot going on when you first came back, but have you thought about going back into full-time coaching? No. Taking on a team, I should say? (laughs) No, you know, I've been asked here and there, but 
what I've learned is just take one day at a time. So today, I have no interest in that. Um, tomorrow, who knows? I can tell you every day my husband would prefer that I did not, you know, to take that on again. It it is stressful on a on a marriage, um, because as you already proclaim, there's a lot of time, a lot of energy. Um but within that there's a lot of stress too and there's a lot of disappointment, whether self inflicted or not. Um the bottom line is you you can't please everybody. Not every parent is going to be happy with you, but every parent has the potential to to complain about it and 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 all I want to do is is coach the players and and watch them grow and flourish whether they're a top player like yourself or someone who's who may never even make the the varsity team. There are other stressors that go along with that. And I I just don't... Right now, today, at this moment, I don't have what it takes to deal with those. I I definitely have what it takes to, let me just coach kids. I just want to coach kids. But I don't know if I want to take on all that other stuff that goes along with it. That, you know, one could argue is just as important, you know, because... If a parent's not happy, ultimately the kid's not going to be happy. So you got to deal with that. Um, or, you know, or you just cut them. <laughs> so I don't know. I just, uh, today, no thank you. Tomorrow, we'll see. But, you know, I, I certainly have been thinking since Sunday when we spoke. It's like, it was important to you to have a female coach. And there aren't that many of us out there. Um, that That certainly has been on my mind a lot. But... I'm still saying no today. I take my 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 work as a coach seriously. I want to see players get better, and I want them to be happy, and I want to help them have lifelong success because of their participation in athletics. I respect the weight with which you approach the decision to coach or not coach because you certainly don't do it part of the way. Mm-hmm. Like I get that if you're if you're going to decide to coach, you're you're doing it you know, 110% and you're, you're going above and beyond like you do. So I get that. Um, I, and you know, I think I'm, 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 I don't see the stress that it brings to your family. I just, from my perspective, I think, you know, I, I played soccer, basketball, softball growing up and I probably had at least like 50 different coaches through the years. And there were three female coaches, three. It was a very low percentage. And I think having you as a coach when I was in high school and having a female figure to look up to beyond just my mom, mm-hmm. um, is, it was really important for me. Um, and I and I think it's sad that today I still feel like it's a very low percentage it is. of coaches are female. And, mm-hmm. you know, women take on often a much larger role in their families if they have children, and I get that, and it's much more difficult to be a coach, but... If there's ever a reason where you know a female's not coaching because they don't think they can do the job, like I just so want more women to get into the profession. And even if it's you know not not the the high school jobs, even if it's just coaching a third grade, fourth grade, fifth grade team, mm-hmm. I just think it makes a difference to young girls. And so, I guess selfishly, I really want you to coach again. <laughs> I just because I think you make such a difference for 
young girls a very positive role model well I appreciate that but yeah I'm glad you said not today but maybe tomorrow it's open there's a there's a window (laughs) so you touched on this a little bit um I, I was wondering if you could talk a little bit more about the differences you saw being a female coach versus um, maybe a male coach. And when I played for you, we had a, a male assistant coach and um, just some of the things that would come up with that setup. Like I, you had mentioned to me how refs would um, talk to him first. I always assume he's the head coach. Always. Yeah, that happened all the time. And and it could be the same referee still going right up to, to Coach Hansen. Like, of course he's the head coach. He's he's the male, and yet he had no interest in that at all. We were just lucky that, you know, he had the time, and, he, you know, he was still young and just starting out. You know, he, had, he got married. Well, I think he were a senior. But, um, yeah, they just assumed he's a man, he's the head. And it, it was frustrating. Um it certainly is harder to earn respect. It doesn't just come because you're a woman. And then if you, I don't know. I, I I compare it to playing against guys. You know, when you, at first they're soft and they're like, oh, you're a girl, so I'm going to go easy here. And then you start beating them and then, you know, they're, their temper starts rising and all of a sudden they're throwing more bows and then they have to really show you. And that that same mentality is seen on a in in a different way but that same mentality like I'm about to lose to a girl it's like well a you're coaching girls so you should have respect for them and see them as just athletes and and I'm just their coach who's leading them there should be a level of respect because you are coaching girls what you don't hear or what I didn't feel perhaps is more of an accurate, accurate statement is there's a team that has worked hard and has put all the pieces and parts together well enough today to do what it takes to compete to beat us. They're prepared. They've done their work. And moreover, when almost all the Amador teams that I coached you guys all were on honor roll, at least like three fives and above. So the sacrifices that you guys made and that, you know, I asked you to do merit respect. And it wasn't about gender. It was about, you have no idea how hard I push these kids and how the what they've endured, and then how well they do in the classroom and how well they're respected across campus because of who they are established from their character. I I just, I, I take it personally, especially on your guys' behalf because it diminishes who you are as a person and the work that, that you put in so you have earned that success. And it really is that simple to me. I wanted to talk to you a little bit more um, about something you mentioned earlier, um, about how your daughter says she has hundreds of brothers and sisters. And I have to imagine that not only has to do with the players you coached, but also that must stem from the people you and your husband welcome into your home through the years. I remember every time I visited, it seemed there was always a new house guest that was staying with you as they weathered some life obstacle. 
I think most recently you welcomed one of the dreamers into your home as he tried to sort through his visa issues. And I was, I was wondering if you could talk a little bit more about some of the house guests you've had along the way and, and maybe speak a little bit to your willingness to help people during some of their uh, life obstacles. I just find it very difficult to learn that someone is struggling and all I need to do to help is to open my door. So we do that. The list includes foster children, usually because their parents were not in a good place to properly care for the child, or a basketball player who needs a place to live for whatever reason. I can say the easiest long-stay guest was Laura Alvarado. She played summer ball in the Bay from up north. She was so polite and so helpful. Justa still thinks fondly about her big sister. The best guest overall, I would have to say, was Jody Brown. She was basically my daughter's nanny. They were best friends. It was so sweet to hear these two play. I would actually tear up with the sweet way they played pretend together. And of course, today, Jody is a, a great mother. Some people have stayed to escape toxic relationships, and after a bit, they're back on their way. Most people have stayed are either family, students, or basketball players, but we have opened our doors to others, like, as you mentioned, two young men. One was one was born here. The other, his brother, was a... a was moved here as a child. He's he's part of the Dreamer Act. After 9-11, life got hard for, for many and certainly for for Bick and Jay. Bick um Bick was taking care of Jay, he was in high school and uh he was finding it difficult to find good work that could actually afford uh taking care of himself and his brother. And, yeah, they're, they're family now. I really can't imagine our life without Bikram uh, and Jay, for that matter. But he went off to college, so we've adjusted to his departure. But Bik completes our family. I hope we do the same for him. And I think we'll end on this one. What accomplishment are you most proud of? Definitely whatever work that I hope I've done well with my child. Because... That is the number one important role or job or decision that I've made is is to raise her. Um, and it's it's probably the most difficult job, you know, because every little decision you make has a ripple effect within her, and there's no getting around it. And then I, I you know, within that is also being stubborn enough to you know, stay, you know, in a, a a healthy marriage, you know, like fighting for that, you know, because it is, it's work and it's not just important for us, but it's also really important for, for her. And she's mentioned that numerous occasions um, that my parents have modeled what it takes to to work and achieve a healthy marriage. So I would say those two things work together. They coincide. I hope you get a feel for why I thought it was so important to share Coach's story and why I was so excited to embark on this podcasting journey with her. I thought the best way to close out this episode is with some clips from Coach Stanley's former and current players and students. Hopefully by hearing how they were inspired by Coach Stanley It reminds all of us to give a little more of ourselves to others. 
What I've learned from Coach is to open your home and heart to someone so that they can be great. Don't ask anything in return. Just be proud of what they've become. My name is Alana Roberts, and I've known Coach Stanley and have been working with her for about three years. She has improved my basketball skills to a level that I thought was unachievable in this amount of time. She has taught me that hard work, dedication, and giving back are keys to getting far in life. I met Coach Stanley when I played basketball as a freshman at Bishop O'Dowd High School. She has been a pillar in my life, creating stability and normalcy in times when I certainly didn't have that at home. Uh, and it's also something I just didn't have at home uh, because my parents are both disabled. Um, she's also taught me how to work hard, how to be a teammate, how to have someone's back. She's taught me how to be a good person and I'm very thankful for her. Coach has positively impacted my life by not only pushing me in basketball to be the best player I can be, but also the best person I can be off the court as well. When I first met Coach Stanley, I was in high school, senior year. The only really concern was getting out of high school. I didn't really think about what what's next or what was out there. And when I met Coach Stanley, she she opened up the doors like Coach Stanley is someone that I look up to dearly. She's shaped me into the person that I am today. She's taught me to be strong when times are the hardest and to keep going through every up and down and to always put your best foot forward. Coach Stanley taught me the fundamentals of basketball and the principles of team athletics. Practice, confidence, defeat, determination, conflict resolution, leadership, teamwork, sportsmanship, and success. Those principles have shaped my life. Coach Chelly is a great mentor, a superb educator, and a fierce competitor. Well, with that, we're at the end of season one. We'll be spending the off season working to bring you an even better season two. We'll be back in a few months. Thank you, everyone, for joining us throughout this whole season. Thank you also to our sponsors, the JEI Learning Center and Solid Lotion Bar. Thanks especially to the many people who have helped us through this season. You have been wonderful. One person in the background that hasn't been properly thanked in our opening or ending commentary is Michelle Quist. I should say Michelle Hillquist. She helps us with our social media, and we really appreciate it. We want to thank our contributors. Introduction voiceover, David Lewis. Hunter Lewis for introduction music. Danny Burns for our transition music. Caprice Hall for our graphic artwork. Jasmine Smith for web design and content. As always, technical support provided by Robert Stanley. This episode was edited by Karen Castro and produced by Elizabeth Stanley and Karen Castro. We hope you enjoyed listening. Opposites attract, then why aren't you coming back? You slip
If you wish to find us, you can find us on Instagram at Pod Save the Rest of Us and on Twitter at Save the Rest of Us. Thank you for tuning in. We all have common ground. Let's find it together. Feelings, we got her feelings.